Welcome to the Word Weaver podcast, a literary place in cyberspace where I share tangible tips, tricks, and words of wisdom to help you achieve your dream of writing a book. I'm your host, Louise Johnson, a writer and the author of Behind the Red Door. Let's dive into today's chapter. All right, welcome back to the Word Weaver podcast. I am so excited to have our guest today. It is Colby Sharma. He's the author of The Curveball. It is a story of grit, adversity, and winning the game of life. Colby, welcome to The Word Weaver. Louise, thank you so much for this tremendous opportunity to share this time with you and your audience. I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you about this book. I whipped through it. It is amazing. It's chock full of so many life lessons. And I love how you use kind of the metaphor. It's not really a metaphor, but the story of baseball to bring it to life and really make it hit home. Pun not intended. (laughs) But what I love is that every writer's journey to publication is so unique. So I'd love to hear from you in your own words, kind of how you went from law school to published author. You know, I wrote the book when I was the first year law student. I came home for the summer and I was just bit with this urge to write a book of some form of some sort. And, you know, one of the things I'd like to share with the audience is the importance of mentorship. You know, I've been very blessed to have grown up in a home surrounded by books. And, you know, my father uh, is a writer, is an author, uh, is a speaker himself. And I saw that as an example and we would have so many discussions about, you know, books and philosophy and I, to see his example and how he approached the craft of writing really was tremendous for me um, in the publication of the book and just the iterations going forward. Yeah. But the most important thing was that the journey was my own, deeply my own. You know, I not only love baseball uh, and I really wanted to find a way to mix sports with meaningful life lessons because sports is a true bonding power in society, whether it's hockey in Canada, whether it's cricket in India, whether it's soccer around the world, we can all take something from sports in the good times and the bad. But, you know, I had a a learning disability when I was a teenager that I overcame to go to law school. And, you know, I recount that story in the book when the main character is faced with, he was being bullied and he's faced challenges and he's learned to relearn again. And that was me what's most personal is also what's most universal. So I knew if I put that in the book and that would make the curveball ball message so much more relatable. I love that. Well, so you mentioned that the main character, Bryce Holloway, it is, is it sort of autobiographical in a sense? You mentioned it, you took lessons from your own life and Bryce's character really kind of embodies that and was the act of writing cathartic for you? Like, how did you find that? process embodying this character it it was totally cathartic totally cathartic it was hard because I had to go so many years into my past I mean I had the learning disability in 06 07 and we're talking almost quite a number of years on from that so it was cathartic but it was the best work I could possibly do and it was hard you know anyone that's written in the book and congratulations on your success with uh behind the red door it's but not it's, easy. I, you, we can relate easy. to each no. other on that front oh. for sure. It's absolutely not. You're, you're, 
you're trying to find your footing and whether the language makes sense and does the characterization make sense. And, you know, when I was writing the book, so many people said, I don't think it's a good idea to have so many flashbacks in the book. I said, well, you know, with great respect, I think it would be an, in, an intriguing, you know, literary technique to have the present moment and flashback to the past and the past glory days. You know, the second thing is I wanted to give Bryce Hallway a sense of duality. You know, we have so many dualities as human beings. We have the heroic self, we have the egoic self, and that goes back to Sig Sigmund Freud. But I wanted to find a way to break him down, to build him back up again, as we see, to, to end the book. Yeah, and you did that beautifully. That's such a nice way to say it. And I like what you said, too. I think that's something for new upcoming writers to kind of take note of is how you said somebody maybe it was an editor suggested you shouldn't write the flashbacks and it's so hard as a new debut author to you want to listen to the experts you want to listen to the professionals and to have that kind of gut instinct of no i think this is how the book should be written this will yeah. really provide so i commend you for kind of sticking to your guns and keeping because it's really hard you want to give in to the experts but sure. The book, I think, really shines with some of those flashbacks. I, thank you. I really, really appreciate that. I mean, it was experts. There was actually some family members as well. Right. <laughs> so you know, to to block that out is so hard in this day and age where we're getting so much, you know, stuff on socials and you're getting so much feedback. It's hard to turn off the noise. Yeah, it really is. Well, you mentioned your family a few times and the book is dedicated to your family and your dad, Robin Sharma, wrote a beautiful foreword in this book. How important has their impact been in your writing career? Like kind of what are some of the lessons maybe you could share with us that they have taught you that you have included in the book or used throughout your life? And I'm sure they are so proud to kind of finally hold this as you are in your hands, in their hands. Uh, they were just over the moon. You know, I, I pinched myself. I'm like, it's really happened when October 13th hit. It was like before October 13th, 2020 and after October 13th, 2020. Yeah. You know, my, my father's influence is beyond invaluable. You know, what he's taught me about not only writing, but how to live a life of, of, of impact and, and meaning. And, mm -hmm. you know, it just so happens that, you know, words are great ways to shape profound messages though. You know, we see that it's, it's a, especially in the fiction, in this fiction realm, it's such a subtle way. So I, I took a lot of his examples on, you know, on leadership and how to live a life of service and how to help so many people. And, I really wanted to find a way to do that in the curveball because we were faced with, and we're still faced with this curveball of a pandemic and how can I help people become their best selves in this most trying of times? How can I relate my experiences when I went through and my own adversities to someone who might be struggling right now? Yeah. So I took those lessons as just to, as, a, as a signpost going forward and how do I want to live my career as a writer and uh, as a speaker. Yeah, and you're doing a great job. And I love that you're forging your own path as your own writer, your own speaker. You're doing a great job. You're kind of separating from your family, but they are they are cheering you on every step of the way, which is amazing. Just just to add to that, you know, I had a, I had a beta group of family members 
and, and friends, I said, you know, give me your unsolicited feedback on the manuscript at various stages. Always so I scary. That, <laughs> totally scary. Yeah. That was, that's very important for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for your audience, that's a great way to get, you know, third party insights. Yes. Uh, as, especially as in your publication. Yeah, great tip. Yeah, to have beta readers because yeah. you're too close to the material. So you need other people and even kind of acquaintances or friends of friends yeah. who might not know you if you can find them. It's hard to find beta readers, but it's so important because we'll always view the, our own books and our own work That's in perfect. a very different way. Exactly. But yeah. you know, it, it's becoming easier. I mean, there's a uh, Facebook group called Canada Reads by CBC Books. There's so many resources that your audience, if they have that inkling, just they can go on and join that. Yeah, that's a great recommendation, actually. I should probably put something like that together because there's just so many resources out there, but if you don't know about them, it's hard to take advantage. Absolutely. Yeah. So for the curveball, I'm very yeah. curious to know, did you have the idea for the story the character of Bryce, how it was going to, how you're going to embed the lessons with kind of a backdrop of a baseball story right from the get-go, or did it that kind of come naturally as the writing progressed? And also a second part to that question is, do ideas for books now come easily to you for your future books? Bryce's original name was Greg Clark. <laughs> that's the most old-fashioned name I've ever heard. <laughs> Sounds like a baseball player, though. Yeah, kind of. Or his like, coach or his granddad. <laughs> yeah. But you know, Bryce Harper is a real-life player. So I wanted to find some inspiration in, in the present day. Mm-hmm. So to go to the first question, I'd say I had the inkling mm-hmm. that I did want to have a baseball as a backdrop to shape the analogy of the curveball. And it was actually called the curveball when I put the first draft together almost five and a half years ago. Such a great name. I love it. It sticks with you. Thank you. Yeah. So I did have an inkling, but then it was just refined over time. You know, pieces were added. You know, I had to shape different, um, shape different settings, the different backdrops, where he went, who he encountered. And this was all done, you know, uh, when I was still at school, when I was still a law student. Yeah. So, you know, I had some support and I was, edited, I was going through it. I was, I was thinking of ideas. And then so many years later, I, I had the PDF on my, my laptop and I'm like, okay, now let's go to work. We're faced with this unprecedented global moment. How can I use the best of my time to just edit, to refine, edit, refine, and, you know, the, the practice and process is never done. When it goes live on, on Amazon or it's an Indigo, there's always constant iteration. I remember when, even when the book was published, I still edited the manuscript. I still took things out. I still refined it. I still went back to it. So it was just a continuous process. That's so true. Yeah, the work is really never done. And you'll never feel as the writer and owner of it that it's fully complete. There's always more you can do. But I'm happy for the sake of readers everywhere that you let go. It's out in the world and everyone can go buy it and read your wisdom now. So thank you for that. And I like also that you touch on the hard work. It's a lot. It's not just sitting down. The words pour from you easily. And boom, your book is in Indigo. There's a 
years of refining back and forth. You know, I, I'm, I was really inspired by uh, Margaret Atwood, but she said, fail, fail better each and every draft you do. Because yes. failure is a path to growth and adversity we face does contain seeds of our greatest opportunity. And Absolutely. you know, that's the theme in the curveball and then that's a theme in writing and that's a theme in whatever professional uh, field anyone goes through. Yeah, oh, that's such a good quote. Well, that for me, one of my favorite, there's so many lessons, but one that really stuck with me is the way you talk about fear and using fear as fuel, because fear is something we all face, fear of failure, fear of the unknown, and it really hinders us from trying anything new or accomplishing big goals. So I love that you say, you turn fear into fuel to yes. accomplish your big goals. So that was one of my favorite. Yeah. Is there one, or maybe there's a few big lessons yeah. from the curveball like yeah. that, that you really want readers to take away or remember? I mean, you, they have to read it to get it all, but if there's any that come to mind. Adversity loves your ego. Page found at page 23 of the book. Ooh, yeah. Adversity loves your ego. You know, because that, that comes from this Freud, you know, there's the tension between the heroic self and the egoic self. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by adversity loves your ego is because your ego wants you to feel small. It wants you to feel stuck in that moment. And then everything is going well. You don't need to further enhance your growth. You don't need to approach challenges incrementally. You don't need to seek out mentorship. You're doing amazing. Even though when the actual results speak otherwise. So yeah. It's that duality and it's that egoic part of the brain that leads to self-sabotage. And if you look at, you know, people in society that struggle with substance use disorders, that is, the ego is manifested greatly because it keeps you saying, I'm okay. I don't need to change my behaviors. I don't need to change my beliefs. I don't need to change how I approach things. Yeah. It's trying to keep you safe, but it's hindering you in the process. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's so true. So for this book, you mentioned kind of you had the idea and you started writing it while you were in school. And then really once this global pandemic hit, you're like, I need to get it out in the world. It can't just stay a PDF. Yeah. What was the best part of bringing the curveball into the world, finally seeing it on shelf? And what was the most surprising or challenging part of the whole publication process for you? Basically like the best and the worst. Mm. Well, the, the best part was getting the cover art done. Oh, I, yeah. I was very, very lucky to have a guy that on the first go got the cover exactly how I envisioned it. Yeah. Like, I was very, very thankful for that. I th I'd say the second part is, is dealing, with, um, dealing with getting a publisher, dealing with putting it on Amazon. How do you navigate Amazon, especially as a self-published author? Mm -hmm. How do you approach that? I'd say also added to that is, you know, how do you do the typeface? How do you do the, you know, how the book formatting. works on page? Yeah, formatting, kind of the very technical aspects of the work. Yeah, oh, and that's good. Editor, they really, really help you a lot with that. Yeah, because a lot of people, it's nice to hear that you enjoy it. A lot of people aren't yeah. good at that attention to detail, but it's so crucial for a beautiful finished product that people want to read. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the things that I'm thankful for my law degree for, uh, among many, is the attention to detail. Being yeah. detailed in the process and 
having a very keen eye to things and it just gets better over time. Yeah. And not giving up because it is something new. You've never done it before. I've never yeah. done it before. So yeah. it's going to feel like you're kind of trudging through the mud, figuring out typesetting and formatting and everything. If you've never done it before. You know, the other thing about like approaching writing the book is we all might have a sense of imposter syndrome. You know, for myself, it was, you know, dad was, is a, a famous writer. How would my career look being his son? Mm -hmm. So especially we do get the sense of imposter syndrome. We might be super intelligent, but we've never written a book. Will people vibe with our words? Do they like the message we're sharing? And it just starts by starting. You know, like Obama said, we start with hope. We start for hope as to maybe the end product or who we want to help. You know, the curveball means a lot to me because when I had my moment of adversity, my learning disability, mm -hmm. I wanted hope for other kids. I saw myself in them. Mm -hmm. And that's what gets me going throughout the process. And it's not only your why, your why, your solid why does lead to your how. And I think that's really important for your audience to take in their own writing dreams. Yeah, oh no, so well said. It's so true. And it's, that's the beautiful thing about you put sharing your story in a book format, because it's something that can be shared and read widely. And so many people can take a lot of lessons from this. Absolutely. So I would love to know kind of what a day in the life of Colby Sharma as a writer is like these days yeah. or in general, do you have any daily habits or rituals that you abide by to make sure that you're living kind of the best life and producing work. I'd love to know how you take your coffee in the morning, all those little things. <laughs> so I, I get up uh, around maybe 6.30, 7, uh, yep. have a double-double. If I feel like going to Tim Hortons, Americano, if I just go to Starbucks. Or, Good Canadian uh, boy. <laughs> exactly. Or Nescafe ready-made if it's just in me in my apartment. Yeah. Um, I love to travel. You know, this year has been my itch for travel has really come back full, full force. So um, whenever I, I can, um, and you know, I'm just kind of not doing too much anywhere, just traveling anywhere in Ontario, uh, in Canada. It's a really busy day because I'm a, I'm a speaker as well. So right. it's either getting outreach for speeches, like connecting with, with folks, a lot of networking. I came back from a trip to Miami and it was a networking conference and everyone's like, your book sounds so interesting, I'm gonna purchase it, it's, you know, how can I get it? So it's getting speeches, it's um, crafting my deck for speeches, it's preparing for speeches. That's a lot, takes up a lot of my time. Oh yeah, people don't really, I don't even know if they understand the weight and the volume of work it takes to putting a speech together. There's yeah. so much back-end stuff that you're always doing, so that's amazing. Are you writing any, future books do you or are you kind of just putting uh, like the curveball the lessons learned into a speaking career for right now so i do have uh, the, the second kind of draft of curveball two mm -hmm. um you know i have a 37 page draft of that kind of i'm just working on it on the side yeah but you know right now my full focus is promoting the book uh, taking it to so many places you know speeches networking yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And that, that's the other thing. Like, you know, so many people think like on the journey to, to bestseller and having a book that's like, wow, 
you know, you might, might be aiming for Margaret Atwood kind of success or J.K. Rowling kind of success. And, you know, when we look at how we approach writing and the craft of writing, we need to be inspired by writing. So yeah. even when I was writing the book, I was reading, you know, Stephen King's on writing. And for your audience, that's a tremendous book to read on how to approach the craft, how he deals with characterization and just keeps you motivated for learning from literally one of the best to ever do it. One of my favorite writing craft books. That's so funny you mentioned it because that was one of my rapid fire questions for you. <laughs> What's your go-to writing craft book? So you answered yeah. that one, which is great. On Writing by Stephen King. Yeah, that's so good. Totally. To be a great writer, you have to be a good reader. You have to kind of mm -hmm. know how it, the rhythm of words in a sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think one of the silver linings that have come out of this pandemic has really been how we've just kind of distilled down what matters most to us in life. We've figured that out. It's allowed us to focus. You have published a book within a pan global pandemic, which is a dream that most people strive to achieve in a lifetime. What for you going forward are some personal and professional goals coming out of this pandemic in the short term and the long term that you hope to achieve? I want to do in-person speeches. I really want to do in-person speeches. The Zoom speeches, they're good, but not as, not half as impactful. But, you know, so I'm trying to navigate it. Um, I want to do 13 speeches a month. So I really want to, like, really accelerate the speeches that's going well so far. Amazing. Um, I want to go to places I've never been, just travel-wise. So awesome. Well, this has been great. I have some rapid fire questions for you. And like I said earlier, if we dovetail into more conversation, that's what they're there for, but we'll try to do them fast. So first, your favorite baseball team or player? New York Yankees, Derek Jeter. So favorite place you've ever traveled? Cayman Islands. Ooh, why? I went to school there and I just fell in love with the place. Oh, that's so, it's beautiful, yeah. Dream Sorry. travel destination, you hope to go, but you haven't been yet. Goa, India, and India in general. Oh, I haven't got to India. Yeah. I've never India. How does that happen? <laughs> You've got to go. As yeah. the world's starting to open up, that's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Who is your favorite author? Stephen King. Good one. Yeah, that's great. Do you have to say your dad too? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I love the monk. I, I love the monk as well as far as his first one. And, you know, I was three years old when that book came out. <laughs> and, you know, self-published author, you know, like it, it just really, it touches my heart. Like when I reflect on that. And yeah. yeah. What is the best book you've ever read or one that you always recommend? Perennial Seller by Ryan Holiday. So Ryan Holiday is the, I believe the marketing director of American Eagle. And his book, I love what he said about perennial seller versus a bestseller and how to create that. You know, Joseph, start with, if you look at the works like Star Wars, if you look at pop fiction, if you look at Harry Potter, there's the hero's journey from Joseph Campbell. And he starts at one, page, one spot, very much like Bryce. Bryce meets the mentor, yep. accelerates to success, ego strips away, and he's able to find true success with friends, family, and his colleagues. Right. So I love, he uses a lot of pop fiction and what he says on perennial seller versus bestseller, which is one it just sells and sells and sells over time. I love that. I'm going to have to add that to my list. So, and you already yeah. answered your favorite writing craft book. 
on writing by Stephen King. And then I have two more for you. So what is the best writing advice you have ever received? Just start. Yeah. Just start. Just fail. Embrace the power of failure. Embrace and, and be real with yourself. Really be real. And if it stay true to the story, but be real as to who you want to target. You know, I love, you know, in Behind the Red Door, Elizabeth Arden's story, and you, you weave that in your story. And I found that was very, very insightful. So you know, terrific job. But I want to say, stay true to yourself, your principles, your own experiences, and your backstory. Love that. And then the last one is, what are you most proud of? Being a published author. Being a published author. I mean, you know, I, 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 I never thought it would happen until it did. You know, I mean, so many people said, you know, you know, um, learn disability, like, you know, you're not going to really do much, like failed, like, you know, the grammar exam failed so many things, but over time, my resiliency just grew. Yeah. The, the adversities really helped shape my opportunities. And I'm very grateful and, and privileged to be a writer and uh, to connect with great people like yourselves and just to see the messages that people take from the curveball. It's just been tremendous. Yeah, well, kudos to you. Honestly, writing a book is one of the hardest things in the entire world. And not just writing it, but getting the cover design, doing the formatting, getting it out into the world is a whole other beast. So you never gave up. You started and you kept yeah. going. And that's commendable. So kudos to you. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we want to, if we want to take works, we want, we can settle for average in the work, but there's so few that, can create a truly special read. And I, I firmly believe the Curveball is one of the books for this moment yeah. out of the several that are out there right now. But this is the one of the books for this moment. You know, it is so impactful. It's highly accessible. And I'd highly suggest people get a copy. So can you let everyone know where they can purchase the Curveball, connect with you online, yeah. hire you or come hear you speak, all of that good yeah. stuff? For sure. So you can buy the book in ebook, audiobook, and paperback form. Hardcover is going to be, I hopefully sometime soon. Um, but that's on Amazon. You can connect with me on social media at my Instagram is Colby Sharma Official. My curve, my the Facebook is the Curveball Four Two Six. You can sign up for my mailing list at www.colbysharma.com. And you connect with me on LinkedIn, Colby Sharma. You can, if you are interested in having me speak to your organization or to you as an individual, you can send me an email and we can kick off the, the process from there. You can also sign up for my one-on-one -on -one coaching program, The Scouting Report, which is available on my website at www.colbysharma.com. Colby, thank you so much for chatting with me today. This was awesome. I'm so glad we got to connect. No, Louise, thank you. It's been a true pleasure. I really, really enjoyed it.